the Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Jeff Hodge is my special guest. Jeff, sun shining, a bit cloudy. Yeah, but spring's here. Spring, it's warm. The wind at last has dropped from a couple of weeks ago. It's beautiful. 11 degrees on the roof as we speak. We ought to go out there and have a quick sunbathe. We should. Or a a cloud bathe. Yes. So don't forget that. Number to call is 0800 111 4041. Jeff Hodge and myself are here to talk gardening with you. Beryl from Eastwood is the first caller. So, Beryl, what have you got for us today? Oh, hello, Ken. I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago about my burnt lawn. Lawn. Well, a young lad who's just come out of Little College, I think he worked with Jeff Hodge. Is that no. right? No, he'd have, been, he'd, have been, he'd have been, possibly his tutor could have been Tom Cole. Oh, Tom Cole. I've got the name wrong. Anyway, this young lad come along yesterday because of all my bare patches. Yes. He put some grass, not a lot of grass seed down, and then he put some topsoil on top, but mm-hmm. he did rake it all first. Yeah. Well, so he's told me to water it occasionally. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he's done it right. I mean, some people cover seed with with uh, a, a, a sort of screen loam of soil, but others don't. I mean, he's done nothing wrong, has he? He's done it all, just. All sounds all sounds, sounds perf- good, to perfect me. as as taught by Tom at Riddle. <laughs> so also, I'm wondering, somebody else, another person, recommended evergreen is very good for the lawn. She didn't say whether it was a feed or weed. There are, you know, there's loads of well, seeds. Ev- one is evergreen. Ever- evergreen is one brand of, of lawn fertiliser. There are loads. There's loads out there. Yeah, and they do a straight fertiliser, they do a weed and feed, and they do a, a triple action weed feed and moss killer. But as Ken says, other, other brands, other manufacturers also do granular lawn fertilisers. And if you haven't fed your lawn, you should. And Jeff, you have to be a bit careful, though, because you can't use a granular where you've seeded, can you? Uh, not um, Straight away. until the grass is established, no. Does that um, make sense to you? Um, I'll, I'll, can you say that? I can't use a... A granular until the grass that he's sown... The grass seed has established itself. Oh, I see. So what one can you recommend that I ask for? Well, I would just go for a liquid lawn yeah. fertiliser rather than a granular one. Oh, liquid. Yeah. Right. Thank yeah. you ever so much. Uh, yeah. But I would certainly make sure that the, the soil where he's reseeded doesn't dry out. Uh, otherwise, the, the grass seed will fail. So, yeah, do, do regu- regularly water as and when necessary to keep it moist. OK. All right. Thank you very much. That's a pleasure. That's uh, looked after Beryl from Eastwood. And now we go to Winston in uh, Chelmsford. Hello, Winston. Oh, hello, working. Um, uh, I um, I bought a Spirea Anthony Watra last year. Yeah. And and planted it. Now, I've still got the label here. And it says on the label, um, maybe hard pruned in March to encourage growth of, of vigorous new shoots. Yep. Well, I went out a few days ago to do it, and uh, and I found that there's a, a lot of uh, young growth all growing up with the old old growth, you know. Now, what, I, what, I, what I'm just wondering, do I cut the young and the old all the way down to about, say, four inches above the ground level, or... Or should I leave it now? It's all grown quite a lot. Well, if you've got, uh, if Winston, if you've got young growth that's uh, that's appearing now, then yeah. I'm, uh, personally I would tend to leave that. The the what you should be pruning is the growth, the, the woody growth that was formed last year. I see. And yes, hard pruning on summer flowering spireas like uh, Anthony Waterer uh, yeah. is a very good idea. Oh, I see. So, so I've got to sort of carefully pick between the young and the old, and, and n- n- cut those young, old ones out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'll do the trick. It's all about all the the 
young foliage, of course, is all very delicate, and that's going to be a little bit tea. I should have, it says um, prune it in March, but I read in another book that you should prune it like end of February time more. Well, I, um, for things like spireas, I, I, I say end of February, early March. But of yes. course, you know... This year's a bit different. This year is a bit different because we've had a, a, a an early start. Oh, I see, I see. Um, so, and basically, you know, this time of year, in inverted commas, is the right time to do it. But we can't really forecast the weather and it, no. and the weather is more important than the time yeah. of year if you like now your Anthony water it won't harm but i you might knock a few leaves off but they'll yeah. soon grow again don't oh, worry about it again, yeah. Go that's down. what i was wondering about no. because they're so they're so sort of delicate like you know yeah just try and, yeah. Be, try and be as careful as you possibly can um and as whenever you do any pruning on shrubs you should give a, a good, good feed, feed afterwards <laughs> um, i would tend to use a granular rose fertilizer that would make them come into flower and give them good flower margaret from dumbo hello margaret oh hello good morning hi there good morning um this is just to say um that today is the Dunmo and District Horticultural Society's Spring Show. Right. And it's on at the Folks Hall, Dunmo, CM61DG, starting at 2 o'clock. OK, Margaret, uh, thank, thank you very much. Admission is uh, £1, senior citizens 50p. OK, thank you very much, <laughs> Margaret, for thank that. Thank you very much. Thank you, that's Margaret. And we go to Rob in Greys. Hello, Rob, you're talking turf. Is it a new oh, lawn? Yeah, yeah. I'm having a... some delivered next week, um, but it's going to be a couple of days before I can have it laid after I've had it delivered. Will it be safe to store it on concrete, or will that sort of will, will it die off? Well, it won't. Like the thing is, turf comes rolled up, yeah, and oh, yeah. It, and remember, it's a mixture of uh, of green material cool, and soil, cool, cool grass, cool grass. And therefore, you will get some heating up. It will heat very fractionally on the insides. And yeah. it, even in two days, because it will have been cut the day before, most likely. Yep. So you'll end up with it possibly, by the time you're laying it, about three days old. Um, I have recently, due to ill health, had some, there was, a, not me, but there was some turf that was supposed to have laid. It was left for four days and it had gone quite yellow. But in fact, we laid it, and in fact, it has taken just over a week, and it has come back green. The dangers are it will, they, it will recover. Yes, the dangers aren't they, Jeff? Is that you can get diseases yeah. because of the heating up? Yeah, I mean, it's never a good idea. It's not good. It, um, ideally, Rob, if if you can't lay it straight away, then when you get your rolls of turf, unroll them. Don't, if you've got don't, room, don't allow them to, to to sit rolled up. That's when the problem starts. It doesn't matter if you can't lay them straight away as long as you unroll them so that there's no heating up and the grass can see some sunlight. Good, but, but sitting on concrete won't harm it. No, no not at no, all. No, not at all. And, and obviously you might need to water it depending on what the weather's like so that the soil doesn't dry out. But the important thing is, as I said, is that I'd left some rolled up, I used it later, and it's not good. All right? Well, I hadn't realised that. Thank you very much. That's a pleasure, Rob. Uh, always try and get your turf delivered on the day that you are laying. Good luck with that. <laughs> what, getting it delivered? Well, on get, that? getting it delivered on exactly the day that you want it. You so, can some... if you go to a good supplier, who, who I won't mention on air. Yeah, well, you're to... a, you're a contractor. You've got you've got oh, power. That's oh, poor people that oh, you know, just see. want it for okay. the ha for the home. <laughs> Don't forget, you can give us a call now on oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. That's oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. Also, we want to lay it on a Sunday. They're not going to deliver on no, a Sunday. No, deliver on a Saturday. No, they deliver on a Friday. They no, you can get them delivered on Saturdays. <laughs> yeah, if you're lucky. Eight one triple three. If you want to send us a message, perhaps you're, perhaps you're, you're a, a turf supplier and you want to you want to argue with me. Yeah, go on, give him a bit of stick. Eight one triple three. Start it with Essex, and we'll be talking, as I said, to Dudley on C, Chris in Braintree, and Anne in St Lawrence. Uh, they have sent us texts which have come through in that way. But before that, let's talk to John from Eastwood. Hello, John. Good morning. Um, I'm trying to work out why what's Sorting my onions out. I plant so, them in a complete row. Soil's prepared. Come up the following morning, they're all up above the ground. I've done this three times, and there's, there's footprints everywhere. Footprints? 
What, your yeah. footprints or? No, no, animal, animal. <laughs> animal footprints, yeah, animals love. Yeah. Well, they love, love playing, don't they? I mean, yeah. we forget that animals yeah. will play. I mean, uh, you find that, I always think the classic is if you leave balls, your tennis balls on a lawn and there's foxes around, they actually move them around, don't they? They actually play, they play football. They yeah. play football. Yeah, don't put goals up because no. you'll encourage all the foxes <laughs> no. from the local area in. They'll be having a go. But onion sets are pulled up by all sorts of yeah, animals. Yeah, well, when you, when you started saying that they were pulled up, John, we, uh, we both we said birds. to each other, we both whispered to each other birds, mainly sparrows. But, but they haven't got big feet. But they haven't got big feet. No, they've got tiny, <laughs> tiny little feet. These are about two and a half inches round. Bigger than a cat. Well, it could be a fox then. Fox. Yeah. yeah. And the other, and the other silly question is, when I plant my potatoes, why do I get so much top growth? Hang on, back to back to your sets. Just a lot mm. of people nowadays actually grow them in cell trays and then move them, don't they? Or cell tray or a tube and then plant them. Which so, give, yeah, or which stops that being pulled out. Yeah, or it? or they make guards, rounded yes. guards out of chicken wire, which are just installed over them to to keep them in place. To, again, usually to keep the sparrows off them. Yeah. So anyway, so okay, that's yeah, yeah. that's the onions covered. So how can we help you with your potatoes? They make so much top growth. Well, that's good. You want lots of top growth. More top growth means more leaves. Means they produce more food, which means they produce bigger crops of potatoes. Well, my potatoes aren't very; they don't get a very big crop. So, well, how do you how do you how do you grow them then, John? Well, I've got them on the table at the moment. Well, well, they ain't they they ain't going to grow very well there. (laughs) No, no. Sorry, God. Dig 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 my normal trench. Yeah. About six inches deep. Put them in the bottom. Bit of fertilizer around them. Just cover them over, and as they come through, earth them up. Okay, well, that's that's the traditional method of doing it. I I would say six inches deep is a bit is a bit deep. I I normally go for about four then, four inches deep and then earth them up uh, and earth them up. Um, do you do you earth them up even with them six inches deep? You do, don't it you? Does, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah I I don't put my fertilizer down. I put the fertilizer on, on the on the in the soil as I backfill. Okay, I just put the fertilizer on the top, on the yeah, so it works down on the soil, so it works down. Um. Well, the, if you're if you're getting lots of top growth and small tubers, then usually the issue there could be that you're not um, they're not getting enough moisture, because obviously the leaves uh, lose moisture. So if you've got a reasonably ish dry soil, then uh, you need to follow the advice of what you know potato you know c- commercial potato growers do, and uh, they water. they absolutely pump water into them. So okay. reg- so regular watering may be the reason why. Right. Have a go this year and let us know, can you? Let you know. Of course you can. Thank you very much for your help. Thanks, That's John. That's a pleasure, John. Patrick, in South Benfleet, you're also talking about potatoes, aren't you? Yes, I am. Good morning, Ken. Good Hi. morning. Um, I've uh, changed my... I've put in the charlottes. I've done them already, but I've got some pink fir apple right now. Seven of the tubers are about four inches long. Uh, can I, one, can I cut them in half and double them, or do I just lay them in the trench? Um, well, um, yes and no. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. You, you are, you are, you are, you, it's right, though, isn't it? It's a yes or no. Yes you, and no. You you could cut them in half. The the issue is, of course, is that um, when you cut a potato in half, you obviously right. need to make sure that both halves have eyes on them because it's the eyes that produce the shoots, and exactly, and all yeah. and the vast majority of eyes are at the eye end of the potato so if you cut them in half it's quite likely that the bottom half won't, won't have that. many if any eyes at all they've been sitting for about two weeks now so i must have a good look at them well yeah if you, okay so if you've got if you've got shoots some shoots, then, if, shall i just lay them you know, no, no well no i wouldn't lay them because it all depends on the, or, the, the on. orientation of the shoots now so if you've got them standing upright and the sh- and the and the shoots are growing upwards if you lay them on the sides then the shoots are going to start growing oh, sideways yeah so, so you I've need got to dig quite a deep hole then to put them in well uh, i would say six six inches would be adequate for that Six inches, and then just put them in there, and then they'll, hopefully they'll come up. Yeah, I mean, basically, you want the, the the shoots, the bottom of the shoots, to be about three to four inches below um, soil level. So soil level, yeah, okay. Uh, but a lovely potato, a, a, a lovely main crop salad potato, absolutely delicious. It's the first time I've uh, I've tried them anyway. Oh okay. well, you okay, were, you thanks. you will Patrick just. When you've yeah. grown them, when you've grown yeah. them, come back and let us know what you think of them because Jeff's just said they're one of his favourite. 
Let the county know how you got on and what they're like, because that's yeah, what we'll this—that's what this program's about. And if you don't like, and if you don't like them, bring them all in onto into the studio on the weekend I'm in, and I'll just take them away for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks for your call, Patrick. Patrick's given us a call on 0800 111 We're going to just go to the text, uh, which is on eight one triple three, with starting message with the word Essex. Um, Following a great display last year, the tulips at my allotment are half the height this year. Any ideas? Yes. They were left in, but fed and topped with homemade compost. Flowering already a touch early. Um, dry, <coughs> dry summer won't have helped, will it? Uh, well, a, a dry summer... A dry summer helps, but the dry, dry summer, summer that we had last year may not. What, yes, what you have to realise yeah, with right. tulips is that they much prefer a dry, dormant season, i.e. once the yeah. leaves have dropped, uh, have, 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 gone. Di- have died down at the end of May or June or whatever. They don't like to be wet during the summer, but last summer was so dry it had it, the opposite effect and yeah. it started to kill the bulbs That's out. Right. So what often happens is if you leave tulip bulbs in the ground and then you leave them somewhere where you're going to be, say, growing your bedding plants in the same sort, your summer bedding plants in the summer, and then, of course, you're watering your bedding plants all summer, that causes the bulbs to rot. So that might be one thing. The other thing to say is that Why not... Why are they half the height? OK, not... Well, that could be because they yes. they, they, they just started to, to die out over, yeah. over the summer. deterioration. Yeah. Um, but the other thing to say is that some varieties of tulips don't um, don't last very long from year to year. Certainly, some of the the more highly bred varieties, those with sort of, you know the bigger flowers, the 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 multitude petals, uh, so double flowered or triple flowered uh, tulips, don't always go on very well from year to year. And and although they they will grow, they get smaller and smaller. Now, I was speaking to a lovely lady. I don't know if anybody knows Val Bourne. Who's a who's a great garden writer, and I'm doing an article on her garden, and we were talking about this when I was interviewing her yesterday. And basically, what she says is that she loves the fact, and she leaves she leaves all her tulips in. She loves the fact that in the subsequent years, the flowers and the plants get smaller and smaller. And although the you know she doesn't get the wow impact of the big flowers, she absolutely adores the fact that she's got these little sort of Glowing, oh, glowing blobs yeah. of little flowers. Mm. So there's numerous things, Patrick, uh, not Patrick's, uh, uh, whoever, who was that phoned in? That was Doug. Doug, sorry. Numerous Doug. reasons why that might be. Um, as for using homemade compost, it's not topped with homemade compost, but when, and also homemade compost won't feed in any great degree, will it? It won't feed a, at all. And it's, no. it's, and it's when do you put it on? If they're putting it on now, it's not going to feed at all anyway because you want the nutrient in the bowl, yeah. don't you? So if, if you want to try and build up for next year, then you know you you need to listen to the podcast because we covered it. We're, it's yes. one of the things we're covering in the podcast this week. But you basically need to keep the plants growing well for as long as possible. So if the soil is dry, you water them. And while they are in leaf, you feed with a high potash liquid fertilizer every week to 10 days, whatever it says on the instructions, to keep the plants growing for as strongly as possible. If they if you, you know, you removed the foliage last year, then you would have weakened the bulbs and they wouldn't put on a good display this year. And don't forget that the podcast that Jeff mentioned is available after the program. But you have to look under Ken Crowther because it hasn't yet been filed under gardening. But it's the BBC. And where's and that? Sounds up. It's on the BBC Sounds BBC app. Sounds app. Let's now go back to the phones to Henry from Rochford. Hello, Henry. Hello, mate. Good morning. Um, I've got a camellia. It's about three foot six high by about two foot six wide. Yeah. It's got untold bulbs on it, which are about three quarters of an inch high by about half an inch wide. But they're not flowering at all. So you've got the buds, but they're not flowering. Yeah. I don't know whether it's one that flies, uh, flowers at a different time of the year. I don't know. Most have started to flower. Not them. all of them, though. But not all of the late. No. There are some late varieties yep. that will flower into eight, well, sort of April to May. Aren't Absolutely. They? So this is its first year, is it, Henry? Uh, how old is it, Mel, that one? So it's its first year. And I bet it was in flower at this time of the year last year. Yes, when you bought it. It was in flower, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it would have been grown under protection. Yeah. 
yep. which forced it on early. Forced so it, on early. it might be one of the later flowering ones, Henry. So, um, you know, you could still be looking for a fabulous display in April. That's that's quite common. That, but the other thing to bear in mind is that sometimes if they're not grown correctly, um, what happens with camellias is that they set their flower buds, uh, but then the flower buds either don't open partially open and then fall off or fall off without opening and that is due to drying out the previous summer which is july yeah. onwards, well, mid, well. mid mid june to july through to about the middle of august because that is when they're setting the flower buds for the following year now if you think about last summer june july and august when they were setting this year's flower buds it was very dry and if they dried out at all during that sort of six to eight week period then that will affect bud set Oh, so, right. so if they don't open, it was because you didn't water them enough or adequately last year. Did you yeah, say, Hen- Henry, is it in a container or is it in the ground? No, we've, I've, I've built it out of decking. I've built a two, two whips high by, and I've built a box, it's, and it's about 18 inches deep right. by about okay. no, 18 it's... inches square. But we want to replant it today into the ground if we can. If that's possible. After flowering is better, isn't it? Well, yeah, you'd better leave it till after flowering. That's if it's going to flower, of course. Yeah, don't do it yet. You'd be better to do it end of April than you would be now. That'd be lovely. Okay, thank you very much. All right, okay. Sounds as if it's a late flower or last summer. I mean... That, that, last summer. If we could have seen the bud, if we could have seen the plant um, and seen the buds, buds we, we would know. know exactly what the situation is. Let's go over to Kelvedon and talk figs with Brian. That's me. Um, good morning, chaps. Hi. I've got two fig trees, about three foot six high, both in tubs, both still wintering in the greenhouse. Um, one's in a concrete pot. You spoke, I spoke to you about these about last year. One's in a concrete pot, about 18 inches, two foot, and the other one's in its original plastic pot, in a concrete pot, surrounded by earth, so it's in an original pot. I want, they've got Good leaf on coming on them now. They've got quite a few um, fruit coming on it. I want to know when I can start feeding them. You so you just overwinter and then you bring them out, yeah? I'll bring them out in probably next month. Or... Okay. Um, well, um, the the the, the fertilizer. Sorry, the the compost that you planted them into last year. The the all the nutrients will have gone. <laughs> So yeah. therefore, you need to be feeding when they come into growth. And so as it sounds like they're already well, in growth, you need to be feeding them. Yeah, so they're just budding up. And so there's quite, quite a bit of fruit on both trees. Yeah, but if there's leaf growth, if you've got leaves growing now, then the, the plant needs feeding. You know, it's a bit, it's a bit like you. If, you. if you go running around, <laughs> running around doing a half marathon and you haven't, and you haven't had any food before, <laughs> before that, you'll probably fall over in a coma. And it's the same with plants. When plants are, when plants are doing stuff, when they're active, when yeah. they're growing, they need food just to, to promote that, that healthy growth. So you need to be starting now. Um, I've got some seaweed um, liquid yeah. that from last year. Will that be okay? Should be. Depends on where you kept it. All, all fertilisers should be kept in a cool, dark place. Yeah, it's not too much light. If you keep them in a, if you kept them in the greenhouse, if you kept it in the greenhouse yeah. where it's hot and sunny, it might well have gone off. Oh, well, so it's been kept in a shed which gets very hot during right. the summer months. Well, as long as it's as long as it's out of the out of full sun, it should be okay. I'd give it a quick wick. I'd give it a quick sniff. It's a bit like it's a bit like you know. <laughs> if it smells you, seaweedy, yeah, it's, it's still like, doing its job. It's a bit like eggs. You know, if you've had eggs in the fridge for a couple of months and you're not and you're not sure whether you should eat them or not, it's best to open them and have a quick smell. Have a if smell. They, <laughs> if they smell all right, I've eaten eggs that are very old that way. Can be done. Yeah. Graham from Bishop's for talking about passion flowers. Is it passion flowers, Graham? Yes, it is, Ken. Yes, please. Um, I've got two passion flower plants which were new last year. Um, one up a shed, which is, which has been excellent, and I had four flowers on it. Um, it has no leaves on it at all. The other one is all the way along a fence, which has plenty of foliage on it. Um, no flowers last year, but what should I look for now they've overwintered? When, when am I going to start to get any growth in them? Well, it all depends on temperature. Yeah. Some have just started a bit of growth, but not a lot yet. No, they? no, it's still, it's a, bit, too early, still a bit early. Well, it's still a bit cold yeah. for, for passion yeah. flowers because passion flowers aren't, you know, aren't reliably hardy plants. They have to wait until there's, there's some warmth in the soil yeah. Yeah. before they start. 
Um, so um, I'm afraid I'm not psychic enough to know when no, the, no, te- it's, it's, when the it's, temperatures it's, are going to be warm enough. But as soon as things start warming up, normally passion flowers, and again, it depends on where you've got them positioned, i.e. are they in a cold area, are they in full sun, etc., etc. I mm. would say by the probably by the first week of April, you should start to see some signs of growth. At which, will, at, how will these uh, will will these bits of growth start coming on the existing um, structure of the plant? They might, and you might get some new some growth from, the base, from well. the base. But what I would tend to do is that because they grow so rampantly, yeah. uh, um, it is far better when you start to see signs of new growth is that you cut them back hard. Because if you don't cut them back hard, particularly the one that you've said has already put on or had a lot of growth last year, yeah. you're going to get a load of extra growth at the ends of that growth and it could go bare at the base and it's going to look sort of a bit top heavy and unpleasant. So I always hard prune to a framework of main branches when I start to see signs of new growth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah fine. Thank you. That's a pleasure. That's Graham from Bishop Stalford, and we go to Sheila in Raynham. Hello, Sheila. Hello. I need help. <clears throat> I've got two twisted box hedge trees that I've had for six years right. in front of my house. And all last year, I spent the whole summer checking for caterpillars. I've now gone out there, and there's more caterpillars on them already. So I want to know what I can do with them so I don't spend all my time checking for caterpillars. Is there a trap for these? Yeah, there's there's a a number of things that you can do, Sheila. Um, You can actually buy a pheromone trap for box tree caterpillars. Right. Um, One of them is made by a company called SBM, which used to be Bayer. Uh, which are stocked at garden centres. So if your garden centre stocks SBM products, they might well have it in stock. Small little one, isn't it? Yeah. SBM, yes, is the name of the company. If uh, your local garden centre or store doesn't stock SBM products, then you can buy them from mail order suppliers. Um, The one that I always recommend is a company called Green Gardener, and that's greengardener.co.uk. And it is called a box caterpillar pheromone trap. So right. you, that, that way you trap the male moths, which prevents them um, fertilising the female so the female doesn't lay eggs. But if you've already got caterpillars there, then you've, then you've got to do something completely yeah. different. Then right. again, you can buy a, um, a, uh, a natural control, uh, which again... Uh, only available from mail order suppliers so if you go to green gardener green gardener do sell a uh, a biological control for caterpillars which includes the box tree caterpillar um, or you would need to use an insecticide and the yeah, best last year i bought bug clear ultra yeah that's, that's one that's one, one of the better that's ones, one of the better ones there's there's two, there's two or three that are good for caterpillars but that's one of the better ones well i just spent all my summer checking my trees every time well, I came in if you every use, morning <laughs> I you, don't want to waste all those hours again. You could use that and then follow it up with the pheromone trap couldn't you? Well I would be, oh, I would be putting the, the pheromone, pheromone trap, trap in, now. in now which right, will, which will, which will prevent more eggs being laid but and spray what you've got. And spray the caterpillars that are, that are already there yeah. I've okay. also got, what should I do about leaf curl on my peach tree? Nothing. There's nothing, nothing you there's can no, do. There's nothing now legally available for no. peach leaf curl. No. Right. You're stuck with so that, I I'm just afraid. Pick them off and That's, pick them off very carefully, not rattling them about, otherwise you'll spread the spores everywhere. Pick um, them off and drop them straight into a bag. Put them into a bag, dispose of them. Dispose what of them. the only thing that you can do, but it's a bit late now, um, for you, is that you can is it wall trained? No. Okay. Um what you could do this autumn, this autumn coming of this right. year, is get yourself a, uh, a horticultural fleece bag. Fleece bag? Yeah, you know, horticultural fleece, yes. the fleece that you put over you. Well, you can buy them as bags. Some companies yes. sell them as bags. Right. If you cover the whole tree and the soil around the bottom of the tree with the bag... Oh, yes. It will prevent the spores splashing onto the leaves and you would leave that in place from autumn until about the middle of April. 
but right. as soon as okay. it flowers, obviously, That's once it flowers, you've got to take it off and you might even have to do some hand pollination. That's what we normally have to do, yeah. Yeah. Because, oh. in fact, they're in flower now. Yeah, exactly. Pretty well. Everything yeah. is flowering yeah. But the idea, be- the idea behind that is that you stop the, the, uh, the, the s- water splashing onto the soil and splashing the spores back onto the tree. But always get rid of affected leaves and all the leaves that drop in the autumn. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Can you help me control woolly aphid on a Chivers Delight dwarf apple tree? It's about 30 years old. I've been using a strong water spray over the last two <laughs> summers. Gives them a nice wash. I have planted a young Braben near by last year and worried it may pass over to it. <laughs> and from St Lawrence. <laughs> it will do if you it use will. the jet of water. Yeah, jet of water, you might shoot it over there. Yeah. Um, it's not an easy one to get rid of, is it? Well, let's, not- let's before we stop laughing Woolly about aphid. the jet of water, let, aphid. let's just explain what we mean. It's a fluffy, so it looks like cotton wool, doesn't it? It does, yeah. A little and, bit and, of cotton wool. And a lot of people think it's a fungus, when in yeah. fact it's an, obviously an insect. And the reason that we're laughing about the jet of water is because a lot of people say, oh, the best way to get rid of it is just to force it with a jet of water. Well, yeah, it's going to kill some of it, but it, will it, not clear it. it spreads it more than kills it, yeah. and so it'll spread it to the, your new tree. Um, to be perfectly honest, apart from going around with a with a gloved thumb and squashing every bit that you see, uh, to my mind, the only other way is to spray it with a, a an approved insecticide. And uh, we've already mentioned Bug Clear, Clear Ultra, Ultra, which yeah. is approved for use on apple trees. Uh, then that would be the one that I would recommend Cheers. personally. Yeah. But it is a slow process. Luckily, it's a dwarf tree, yeah. is what Anne's saying. So it shouldn't be. Yeah, it's going to still be hard work. Yeah, you're gonna, it's not going to. You know, you're not going to clear it like that. It you're going to have to. It'll it'll keep spreading because there will be eggs all over the place. So squashing with your thumb and spraying, if you don't mind spraying. Oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. That's the number to call. It's the gardening phone in here on FM DAB and of course the BBC Sounds. And we're going to go back to the phones and talk to John in Brentwood. John, we're talking Ooh. about aces. Is it is it a, a, a tree or a bush or a shrub? No, 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 no. We're not talking about aphids. Uh, uh, can't think of the name of the tree now. We're Red not talking. Sorry. Red leaves. Could be an acer. Japanese maple. An acer. Sorry, I thought you said aphids then. No, no acer. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting old. <laughs> So are we all, there, John. There, yes. Come on there, John. What is it? What's how big's the Acer? It's about five foot high in a, in um, an eighteen inch. Uh, sorry, a fifteen inch pot. And the last couple of years, I've had it quite a while, but the last couple of years, the leaf uh, quality has gone down. I bet I'm not surprised if it's that big in that size pot. You're being really? a bit, John. You're being very cruel. Cruel. Yeah. Cruel. Yes. What do I need size pot then to get it in? Well, I would be putting something that's five foot high uh, with that sort of spread into at least 24 inches, two foot diameter. Two foot diameter. Right. And what sort of soil would you use, uh, Jeff? I would use John Innes, number three. Yeah, I've got some of that. Oh, there you go. Uh, you mentioned about it being warm. Yes. My tortoise doesn't think so. <laughs> give, give him a knock. <laughs> Give, Do give I need like... to feed this aphids? Uh, this Acer. Acer. Yes. Yeah, don't feed your aphids. No. Uh, well, yeah, all plants. All plants need feeding, John. How would you like it if I shoved you out in the garden for a year? What, and didn't... Would, what would you suggest? Uh, is tomato right any good or anything like that? Uh, you, no. don't need no. tom- you don't need high potash. You just need, you just need a, a good balanced fertiliser, you know, grow more. Vitax Q4. I mean, there's hundreds on the market. Right. Okay. You can Thank even you, you can even you can even if you want to you can even buy a special Japanese maple fertilizer these Costs days. Costs more money though. <laughs> if you if you want to be taken down that road. Okay, and uh, nice to get a note back from Roger on an email. Ken Crowther at bbc.co.uk. I try to answer these either on air or after the program. I will get round to answering most of them. 
I uh, heard your advice on Saturday morning gardening program. Very helpful. Thanks also for a further update email. Hopefully the weather will break a bit soon. I think it was during that. I don't know which weather that was. Very helpful to hear your advice on other listeners' requests. Keep up the good work. And that's from Roger. Nice to... Uh, so there's no question. It was just no, a bit of just flattery for flattery, you. you but thought it's you'd nice redact. to know that the program, you know, is appreciated and the advice that we all give is useful to people. Well, we don't know that, do we? <laughs> Most people. <laughs> Rhubarb. Uh, mines under sheets of glass for winter supported on bricks. Can I take it off now as the crowns are two to three inches tall? Why, do, why, why would you put why, glass? Why on earth are you putting glass, glass over it? To give it a bit of extra heat. But you'd be better to put an upturned bucket and get some really early stalks right. that you could enjoy. Rhubarb, rhubarb is as tough as old boots. It does not glass. need any winter protection so Liz, as such. So, Liz, don't know what you're doing the glass for. Just but, get yourself a big bucket and but grow what, it pink. But what you do like to do, or what people do like to do with rhubarb, is to force it early. Like my old dad did. Yeah, and which I do, because yeah. then you get the thin pink sticks, which are sweet and delicious. But and you, expensive in the supermarkets. And very expensive in the supermarkets, particularly on Ocado and Waitrose, as I've found out to my, to my cost. Um... But you don't force it like you would force other plants, i.e. by putting glass on them. You force them in the dark, which means, as, as Ken said, you get an upturned bucket and you put the bucket over the top of them so that they don't get any light. But you don't, don't use glass. And so, yes, so, the, so your question is, when can I take it off? And I'd say now. Yep. Take it off now. Oh, go, talking of rhubarb and colours red, we're going to Red Robins with Alan from Hatfield. Hello, <laughs> Hello there, Alan. Hello, Ken. I will just phone up on behalf of my elderly neighbour next door. Uh-huh. She's got a, a red robin. This is a single plant, you know, growing. And it's been neglected for years. And it's now very woody and all the, all the growth is be at the top of the bush, you know. Yeah. I wonder, can it, can it be cut down low? And will it grow again? Um... When you say that the growth is all at the top, is there, is there any growth low down, Alan? No, no. Okay. It's so, just bare wood. Okay, so the answer is yes, you can. Will, yeah. it, will it survive is um, yes, it oh, may, yes, it may, or no, it won't. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's, it's I one of the, doubt myself, actually. It's one of those things like that... It might, because it might not. well, it might and it might not, it's, right. but it's got a chance. Um, yeah. It's one of those plants that um, you can't guarantee that if it's got all the growth at the top and it's completely yeah. bare at the base, you can't guarantee. Although they usually, and I say the word usually advisedly, they usually do, yeah. but you can't guarantee that it's going to regrow. No. So it's one of those occasions where, that you say to yourself, or your neighbour says well, to, to themselves, yeah. "Well, it looks horrible. I don't like it." But I'm going to try and see what happens. Mm. So if you're going to do it, oh, well, I would have to leave it up to her. I'll give her. Oh, absolutely. Back to her. But if, if if you are going to do it, do it as soon as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, so t today, ideally, and then give it a really good feed. You know, a granular fertilizer around yes. the around the base, just to give it uh, some energy to give it a fighting chance of reshooting. And sometimes yeah. they do. But they don't always. Yeah, I mean it's been there for years, and you know it is very one of their woody, very woody. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what that's what happens, and that's why it's that's yeah. the older it is, the the less chance there is that it is going to work. It. Yeah. Well, I can put that to her and see what she says. Yep. Thank you very okay, much. Thanks for your help. That's a pleasure. That's Alan from Patfield who gave us a call. There's a line free at the moment on that uh, on that phone line, which is oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. Just before the travel, we'll look at Hilary Millington's uh, email, which says, I bought a small rubber plant in a well-known store. It's in a pot with no drainage holes. What? So I think it may be in another pot inside that one. Okay. It's very dry. Could I repot it so I can water it easier by standing it in water? Would multi-purpose compost be suitable? Any other tips for looking after it, please? Thanking you. Okay, well, it sounds like it's in a in a pot, but in a what we call a pot cover, an attractive ornamental outer pot. So, um, so which you drown them in. Well, well yes, or, or, or you don't water enough. Yeah. So, um, do you need to repot it? Well, ideally, you you take it out of the pot cover, and then you take the pot off the off the root ball, and if the roots are compact and it's and it's pot bound then yes it needs repotting so repot it into the next size pot any good multi-purpose compost will do 
keep it um, keep it moist now that we're in spring and into summer. Keep it moist. Don't let it dry out. Feed it uh, well. Feed it a couple every couple of weeks while it's yeah. in, in growth and give it some reasonably good light uh, and a nice um, lit lit position that doesn't get too cold. Yeah. Let's now go back to where were we going? We were talking bamboos, weren't we? We were talking bamboos with Sid from Thundersley. Come on then, what's up with your bamboo, Sid? Uh, morning, Ken. Morning, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I've I found in a carrier bag for waste collection about eight, ten years ago uh, a bamboo. Yep. And I, I I took it, planted it, and it's now twelve foot high and about three foot across. It's formed a clump. It hasn't sort of travelled anywhere. And I would like to now take cuttings by air layering on the vertical stems. Uh, is this possible? No. Uh, to do? No. You just chop bits off. Yeah, the, the best way or the easiest way or to, to, to propagate bamboos is to have a, have a bit of a rootle around uh, in the soil, around the edge of the clump, and then literally yeah. cut off a part of the rhizome, ideally a part of the rhizome, with one or more shoots already attached. And then just take, ah. cut those off and then pot them up. And that, as I say, it's about 12 feet high. Do I use a smaller height one or can I use a real well, I, one? I, 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 ideally, you want, uh, if you find a rhizome at the edge of the clump, you should find one that's just got some very small shoots on. If you can't find yeah. any with shoots on, there should still be some that have got buds, uh, dormant buds. That um, You certainly don't want to take one that's got 12 foot of growth on because that won't work. No, so stick to something, say, what, two feet? Well, no, you'll find, as Jeff said, you'll find some that have just literally got a bud that could be half an inch high. Or an inch or two oh, inches. Or, yeah, or, I'm with you now. Or, yeah, six, or six inches. Yeah, yeah, literally a bud on the rhizome. Simple as that. Okay. And, and oh, off well, they go. Saved me a lot of trouble. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much. That's a pleasure. That's Sid from Thundersley. And we now go to Jackie from Hornchurch. Hello, Jackie. Good morning, Ken. Um... Now, I want, I've done my roses the other day, mm-hmm. um, and I'd like to know, I've got miracle Grow, I've got Frostogen plant food, um, I've got Tomorite. I don't really want to have to go out and buy anything else. I know you say, uh, was it blood and bone or Well, something? some people use blood, fish and bone. I, I don't. We Others use, ro- we'd tell you to go out and buy rose food, but in fact, if you don't want to, you could use what you've got, couldn't they, Jeff? Yep. Couldn't you? Yep. Yeah, and I've got rose clear for next month, I think, for the rust that I get. I'd start now. I'd start start using the the, the rose clear now, personally. Yep. Right, Okay. So what would you use? Just put the phosphogen on there? Well, you say you've got... I've got tomorite. Yep, you've got tomorite, phosphogen and miracle grow. Miracle grow. Which miracle grow have you got? Um, all-purpose concentrated liquid plant food. Okay. Um, if I had those three in front of me, I would probably stick to the phosphogen. So would I. Right. Okay. Right. All right. We'll do. But just Thank remember, it's and use the rose clearers afterwards. Yeah. For the rust that I get yep. every year. And just remember, because the phosphogen, well, all three are liquid feeds. You you'll have to use them regularly. Right. So okay. you, so it's not just applying it once. Phosphogen no, okay. needs to be applied every two weeks. Right. Okay, okay. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you, That's Jackie from Hornchurch. Lads, you see. Lads. Lads, you see. Lads, lads, lads. Elaine from Silver Ends also talking rose trees, aren't you, Elaine? Yes, I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm no, it's not. Don't wipe. Now, hang sure on. It. Elaine, you must never be sorry about asking about anything here. That's what the programme is about. Okay. Um, basically, we've been going around giving a good trim up, cleaning up the garden, getting it all ready. And uh, I asked my husband to trim down some of the rose bushes because they always get too big. And I, I listened the other week and you said you could, you know, still cut them back. Anyway, cut a long story short, unfortunately, we've got a rose tree and he trimmed back the wrong bit. And we've got a big branch that's been cut off and it's beautiful. It's budding all over the place. And I've put it in some water, but I was wondering, is there any way I can get it to root and replant it? When you say big, how big is big? Um, it's got to be two and a half feet tall, three foot. No, no, no. no. Oh. I mean, you can um, you can try taking six to nine inch lengths of off stem the off the top. 
Yeah. And you can try rooting those, but uh, you know, you, you you can't just shove a, a three foot plant in oh, a bu- no. in a bucket of water and, and hope it that it'll root. But something that's about six to nine inches long might. But if it if it's a rose that has grown that high and you've cut it down, yeah. it, it should sprout from the base anyway. It's not it, it wasn't a standard rose, was it? Do you know, we've had it so long, I couldn't even tell you. But no, it, but it didn't, didn't have a stem with a, a head on it, did it? it, it no. No. I re- what colour was it? Red. Red. So, it's a red... Sorry, I was wondering... No, you're not worried whether... <laughs> I have no idea why you asked what colour it is. I know some that <laughs> grow no red. Really, but don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't worry. If you cut down a really harsh rose, it will... Yeah, yeah, from yeah, the, yeah. Base, the, the ba- and you'll get all new growth. What's left will will probably be Benefit. totally rejuvenated by what's happened, and will produce even better flowers this year. But it might be a little bit later than you would expect. Oh, but no. it's so sad that this other branch is rooting. Is you know, it's got lots of buds coming out, and I thought, oh, bless him. It's not his fault really, but I'm still going to whack him with it. But um. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. Listen, That's probably the best thing to do with it. <laughs> thank you so much. I listen right. to you regularly. Brilliant Good. show. Thank, thank you, Elaine. Thank you, Elaine. Thanks for giving us a call. Uh, hi, both. I have a rose that is 25 years old that offered uh, offer to be moved. Should I prune it first before move it? 25. Any tips on moving it? Thanks, Mike in Whittam. Can't phone as I will be driving. Well, you can always listen to the... Uh, <laughs> the, the podcast, podcast afterwards. After. But anyway, um right, right. definitely definitely prune it. Prune but, it by at least half. But it's 25 years old. Come the, on, what risk do you give it? What chances are you give it? I give it a high chance. What? Roses, 75? Maybe 75 80% chance of mm, surviving. I don't give it 50, you see. Well, you see, I think you're living in the past. No, no. Because no. I think roses roses are uh, although okay, they don't like to be moved. They all don't. right, they don't like to be moved. But they have got, if you do it properly and you look after them, they've got a very, very good chance of surviving. The issue is that, yes, if it's got a lot of growth and you've got to reduce the stress on the root, so you've got to cut it back by about at least half, if not more, if you can, which obviously means that you're probably not going to get much, if any, display this year, but that's, that's, that's secondary importance. The problem is that when you dig up roses, they don't produce a root ball like other plants do. They don't have lots of fibrous roots that hold the roots and the soil together, so you don't get a root ball. So the whole thing falls to bits when you lift them. And that's where the problem is. So what you've got to try and do is carefully dig up as big a, in inverted commas, root, root ball, ball. Or, or ball of, <laughs> of soil as yeah. you possibly can and minimise the root disturbance as much as possible. But you are going to get, you know, you're going to pick it up and, and, bits, and bits are going to fall apart. You've got to try and minimise that as much as possible. Then you put it in really good, well-prepared soil at the same depth that it was originally growing, and you water it in thoroughly. And one way to help keep the root ball together is the day before moving, water the rose again very, very thoroughly to make sure the roots are moist and that what soil is there kind of holds itself together. Dig, Dig your hole ready to pop it in. Yeah. Move it, if it's heavy, on plastic or something like Hessian that. Hessian sheeting, plastic Hessian sheeting. sheeting. Yeah, two or three people to move it, put it in the in the hole, water it in thoroughly um, and uh, keep it well watered throughout dry periods during the summer. And most importantly, the most important thing that you have to do is keep your fingers crossed and go to church on Sunday. And Mike in Whittam, you're going to let us know whether Jeff's right on his 75 to 80% or I'm right on my 50%, you see. So you've got to tell us whether it lives. That's the deal, Mike. We've given you the info. You've got to tell us whether it works. Especially now he said, I'm living in the past. So, <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, go- I'm, go- go. I'm going to add some caveats. <laughs> The ideal time to move it would be when it is dormant. So we are talking November through to the end of February. Now that we're in March, it's not as good a time. So that's my caveat. OK, let's go quickly to Jeff in Ipswich across the border. You're asking about talking about rhubarb, Jeff. Yes, I am. Having uh, heard your previous conversation about the rhubarb. Yep. Um, I've always been keen to do it, but my wife not so keen uh, and what what she always tells me is that it ruins the plant. Does it? Okay, you're talking about forcing rhubarb. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, if you force rhubarb, basically you are straining the plant because, you know, it... Um, 
how a plant grows is that it produces leaves and the leaves feed it. When you are when you are forcing a plant, you are not allowing it to produce leaves, which therefore doesn't feed the rest of the root. So right. it, it, it weakens it. Absolutely. So yeah. basically what you need to do is that the you only take one crop off. You then allow it to grow leaves throughout the rest of the summer. And then you, you give it a bit of a rest period and possibly next year, the bits that you force, you don't take any crop off. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, only I'm, I'm going away for six weeks abroad and I just wonder if I could leave a bucket on it and hope for some because one of the plants is mine anyway. <laughs> well, do, do your plant and then when, when you have some nice sticks, don't let her have any. Go to quickly to Alison in Burnham on Crouch about poppies. Alison. Yes, good morning. Um, I, the poppy seeds have overtaken my lawn. Can you recommend anything to use to get rid of it? A mower. Well, a mower, yeah, or, or any yeah, lawn... It's making it thicker, that's the problem. Well, any, any lawn weed killer, if you don't mind using weed killers, any lawn weed killers will kill poppies. So a liquid okay, lawn killer. Okay, lovely. Liquid lawn killer, lawn weed killer. But see, it lovely. says lawn weed killer, because a lot of them aren't easy to identify today. So right. see that it is a lawn weed killer. OK, thank you for your help. Thank you. Thank you. That's Alison. And we go to Gloria in Holland-on-Sea. Hello, Hello guys. <laughs> I wonder if you can help me. We've got, um, I bought a locust tree 15 years ago. A what, sorry? Locust? A locust. It's a very, very pale Yellow. Um, green. Yeah. Like very, yeah, yes, yep. no, lovely. It, yep. And it was doing beautifully, and my husband decided he would prune it at the right time last year, but it looks like the stick man. Um, <laughs> the stick. Have you seen the stick tree? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's the problem I with know. husbands. I know, and it, it's, it is budding, but I wondered what I could give it to help it. Um, well, giving it a good feed, you know, a good feed with a general fertiliser will, you know, will help encourage more growth. Uh, personally, I would use something like a, a controlled release fertiliser, which means that it'll gradually release nutrients over six months from one application applied now. Simple as that. Very simple as that. Very simple as that. Just um, any news on the ash dieback situation? That's Chris in Braintree. Onward going. Yeah, not as bad. Not as bad. Not as it? bad as it was in, in previous years. Obviously, it's a bit early in the year, but I've not heard any. Oh my God, dash dieback. Uh, and there's also obviously there's bans on imports, etc. Absolutely, of course. There's yes, no yes, importing yes. of ash trees. Well, there should be no, and uh, and people shouldn't be importing any plants into this country if they're going away on holiday. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, give us a call on 0800 111 and be part of the programme. Yes, that's every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11.